This is Dr. Benny Tate, and I would like to thank you for tuning in to this week's message at Rock Springs Church. Wherever you are, I hope that this message encourages you and helps you grow in your walk with God. Here's this week's message from Rock Springs Church. word and stand. Can we do that? We're going to take our copy, iPad, iPhone, Bible, whatever you have. And we've been talking about home for Christmas, home for Christmas. We want to continue that today as we look at Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 1. And I want to call your attention to verse 30 and verse 31. This is what the Bible says. It says, and the angel said unto her, fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and shall bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. I want to talk to you about Christmas fear. Christmas fear. You know, the funniest things, uh, funniest jokes are not necessarily jokes. It's the things that actually happen. And this actually happened. Lisa Collins was 24. She was a resident of Austin, Texas. She was visiting her grandparents over the summer, and she decided to get some groceries at a nearby supermarket. Several people noticed Lisa in her red sports car with the windows rolled up, her eyes closed, and both hands were behind her head. One customer who had been shopping in the store for a while became concerned as he was walking back to his truck. So he walked over to her car. This time he noticed Lisa's eyes were now open. They were very big, and she had a frantic, panic look on her face. So he knocked on her window and asked her if she was okay. And Lisa said, no, I'm not okay. I've been shot in the back of the head, and I've been holding my brains in for over an hour and a half. The man immediately called the paramedics, who broke in the car window because the doors were locked, and, of course, Lisa wouldn't move her hands off her head. When they finally got in, they found Lisa had a wad of bread dough on the back of her head. Here's what really happened. A Pillsbury biscuit canister had exploded from the heat, making a loud noise like a gunshot, and the wad of dough hit her in the back of her head. When she reached back to find out what it was, she felt the dough and thought it was her brains. She initially passed out but quickly recovered and tried to hold her brains in for over an hour and a half until someone noticed and came to her aid. Now, that's a humorous story about fear, but reality, especially in this day, fear is a real issue. We're in the middle of a national pandemic. People have great concern about their health. They have great concern about COVID-19. They have concerns if I contract. COVID-19, in my condition, will I be able to survive? People have health concerns in light of what's going on, but then people have financial concerns. They wonder, is there going to be a lockdown? One out of every six restaurants in America have already closed. And we're wondering, is there going to be a lockdown? And how's that going to affect people financially? And is the cure going to be literally worse than the disease? Then we have great concern over politics. Who's going to win the race? Who won the race? Who's going to be leading our nation? Who's going to be in these political positions? And how's it going to affect me by who gets elected? 
One little girl recently asked Santa Claus. She said, Santa, are you a politician? (laughs) Santa said, am I a politician? Why would you ask me that? She said, because you always promise more than you deliver. Amen? (laughs) So we've got concerns. We've got political concerns. And then there's the vaccination. Is there going to be enough of the vaccination? Who's going to get the vaccination first? Will there be side effects from the vaccination? How's the vaccination going to impact people? So there's great fear. And you know, during the Christmas time, during the very first Christmas time, There must have been great fear because several times the angel said to people during the Christmas story, fear not. You know, somebody said the Bible actually says 366 times, fear not. That's a promise for every day and a promise for leap year. God is saying to us, fear not. But as I studied this issue of Christmas fear, I thought about, This is so relevant to where we're at. This is so relevant to the day in which we're living. And I'm going to get into the Scripture, folks. I'm going to get into the Scripture. But I just want to give you a Scripture that I want to get into you. 2 Timothy 1 and 7. God hath not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. God does not want the spirit of fear to get inside your spirit, and there's nothing biblical about you being controlled by fear. Now, let me tell you something. Fear may visit you. Fear may visit you, but you want to make sure you keep fear a visitor and not a resident in your life. In the story, I want you to see four or five things. First of all, I want you to see Mary's fear because Mary feared not being adequate. Mary feared not being adequate. Now, folks, let's, let's think about this a little bit. Mary was just a Jewish peasant girl that was 14 or 15 years old. If you've had a teenager, you know what she was. She was simply just a teenager. And I know what it is to have a teenager. Once you have teenagers, you understand why animals eat their young. <laughs> Amen? Amen? So, so, so she was just a, a teenage girl. That's all she was. She was 14 or 15 years old. She was with child. She had never been with a man. And here she was, folks. Not only was she with child, she had never been with a man. She was carrying the child. She was going to give birth to the child that just happened to be the son of God. And not only was she going to give birth to the Son of God, but she had the responsibility to raise the Son of God. Friend, let me tell you something. She had to feel inadequate. She had to feel inadequate. But you know what God said to her in Luke 1 and 30? He said, Mary, fear not, for you have found favor with God. And this whole issue of being, being inadequate, you know what voices will say to you? Voices will say to you, you're not good enough. Voices will say to you, you're not smart enough. Voices will say to you, you're the wrong race. Voices will say to you, you're not educated enough. You're not talented enough. You're not skilled enough. You're not from the right family. You're not adequate enough. But I want to report to you, Our adequacy is not in us anyway. It's in him. 
Our ability is not in us in any way. It's in him. Your adequacy is found in Jesus Christ. That's why the Bible says I can do all things through Christ. I remember years ago I was in that small sanctuary and I was praying. And we had just built this sanctuary. And I was on my knees praying. And I said to the Lord on my knees in that small sanctuary, God, how am I ever going to fill that sanctuary? And folks, it was just like that. God spoke to me. And he said, you didn't feel the one you're in. I did. And I want you to know your adequacy is found in him. So when the devil says and the voices say you're not enough, friend, you are enough because of Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus Christ. See, Mary, Mary just feared being inadequate. But she wasn't the only one who had some fears. Apparently, Joe had some fears too. Yes, Joseph had some fears. See, the Bible says this. Joseph feared the opinion of others. See, the Bible says in verse 19 that he was a just man of Matthew chapter 1. But now think about this. He's a just man, but he's got this woman that he's not married to, and she's with child. What will people think? What will people say? See, he had three options. I don't know if you realize this, but he had three options. Number one, he could have had her stoned because adultery in biblical times was a capital offense. All I'm going to say, we'd be in trouble today. Man, they'd be rock parties everywhere, amen? <laughs> Adultery was a capital offense. And by the way, let me just make this statement so we, don't, we give clarity. It's still wrong. It's still wrong. Now, he had that option. He had option number two. He could publicly put her away with three rabbis. But he was leaning toward option number three, and that is to privately put her away with two witnesses. But you know what God said to him in verse 20? It says, the Lord appeared unto him into a dream, and he said, Joseph, fear not to take Mary as thy wife, for that which conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. He said, Mary, I mean, he said, Joseph, take Mary into your home. Because whose approval are you living for anyway? Now, I want to ask you today, whose approval are you living for? Because if you're living for the approval of people, you're never going to meet it anyway. You're never going to get it anyway. Because let me tell you something. You say, but oh, Pastor Benny, I, I, I'm a peacock today. You know what I've learned about life? You can be a peacock today and a feather duster tomorrow. Whose approval are you living for? When you please God, it doesn't matter who you don't please, but if you don't please God, it doesn't matter who you do please. See, this is what I've learned. If you have intimacy with God, if you're intimate with God, you'll never be intimidated by man. See, Joseph feared what others might think. And so many people are controlled by what are other people thinking? The third fear, I want you to see it, was in the shepherds. The shepherds feared change. See, the Bible says in Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 10, 
It says they were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Let me explain. 364 nights that year, or in the past, all they did was watched over the sheep. They were just shepherds. But on this night, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And what happened? They were so afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Let me tell you something. You know what they feared? They feared change. Some of you are fearing change this year. You're fearing a new relationship. You're fearing a new job. You're fearing a new church. You're fearing a new decision. You're fearing change. You're fearing this year at the table there's somebody won't be there. And how are we going to handle the change? But you know what God says to us? He says, fear not. Fear not. There was another guy that had some fears. His name was Herod. And you know what Herod feared? He feared losing control. He feared losing control. We can read about him in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. It says, When Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where's he at that is born king of the Jews? For we've seen his star in the east, and we've come to worship him. Now look, when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled. He was fearful. Why was he fearful? Because he feared losing control of his kingship. Let me tell you about this guy. He had three of his sons, his wife, and mother killed because he felt like they were trying to take his throne. He had to control everything. Let me tell you something I've learned. The more insecure a person is, the more controlling they are of others. When somebody has to control everything, when somebody has to make all the decisions, when somebody has to be the bride at every wedding or the corpse at every funeral, it's a good indicator of deep-rooted insecurities. Let me tell you something. You want to be a leader? You're going to have to let it go. You're going to have to lose control. Because if you've got to know about everything and you've got to micromanage everything, you'll never accomplish much in your life, in your ministry, in your business. Herod feared losing control. Train up a child in the way they should go. Your children weren't meant to stay. Praise God they were meant to go. But they're coming back and bringing others with them. But you have to... Let go. Let me tell you a filth guy that had some fear in the Christmas story. His name was Zacharias. He was married to a lady by the name of Elizabeth, and they wanted to have a baby, but the only problem was they got real old, and it looked like it wasn't going to happen, and they had been disappointed year after year after year, and they just feared being disappointed again. They just feared just another letdown. But the Bible says in Luke 1, verse 11 through 13, 
And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And he said, Zacharias, he was troubled. And look, fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias. Your prayer's heard. Elizabeth's going to have a baby. And you're going to name him John. Let me tell you something. Many people fear this year just being disappointed again. It's not going to happen. I'm just going to be disappointed again. I'm just going to be hurt again. But God says, fear not. Fear not. Just trust me and believe. Now, I wanted to get right here. I wanted to get right here. Pastor, I've got some fear. And by the way, by the way, We've all got some fear. We've all got some fear. The person beside you's got some fear. The person in front of you has got some fear. We've all got some. You say, well, Pastor, how can we deal with it? Three simple steps. Number one, you got to surrender your life to God every day. You got to surrender your life to God every day. That's what Mary did. That's what Mary did in, in Luke chapter 1, verse 38. She said, let it be according to thy word. She said, I don't understand it all. I don't know how it all is going to make sense. But she said, I just surrendered your will and your way. And what we've got to do, folks, to handle our fear, we've got to surrender your life to God every day. Let me tell you a good morning prayer. This is a good morning prayer. Lord, help me to remember that nothing is going to happen to me today that you and I together can't handle. See, if you know the Lord, the Bible says this in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace are you saved through faith. How did you get saved anyway? It was the grace of God, but you had to put your faith in Jesus. You, if, you, if you didn't put your faith in Jesus, you're not saved. You had to put your faith in Jesus. I did it when I was a 16-year-old boy. Now, look, when you draw your last breath, we're going to be like the great apostle Paul who said in 2 Timothy 4, verse 7, I fought a good fight. I finished the course. Look. I've kept the faith. Well, here's all I want to say. If it began with faith and it ended with faith, why can't we exemplify some faith in the middle? Why can't we trust him in the middle? Why can't we trust him right now that he's going to take care of us? I don't mean this in the wrong way, folks, but I've trusted him with my soul. I can certainly trust him with this body. I can trust him to take care of my body no matter what happens to me because I've trusted him with my soul. So I just say, surrender your life to God every day. And then there's a second thing I'd say to you. Stop listening to the voices of fear. Stop listening to the voices of fear. Mary had all these voices coming at her. And folks, you've got all kind of voices coming at you.
You said, Pastor Benny, I'm getting all these emails. I'm, I, 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 listen, no, no, no. Stop listening to the voices of fear. There's fear pumped into our homes 24-7. It's just pumped in. You said, well, Pastor, do you, do, do you listen to uh, uh, the news? I listen to just a little bit. Not much. I, I listen to just a little bit of the news every day, and I read my Bible every day. That way I know what both sides are up to. <laughs> Amen? Amen. Uh, listen, folks, I'm not going to be controlled by that because they've got agendas. They've got agendas, and it's not about me. Stop listening to the voices of fear. Trust God. God is going to take care of you. That's what Mary did. I mean, if you read Luke 1 and 46, look what he says. And Mary said, I'll tell you what, I know all this is going on, but my soul's going to magnify the Lord. My soul's going to magnify the Lord. And my spirit is going to rejoice in God, my Savior. I'll tell you what we need to do. We don't need to panic. We need to praise we don't need to worry. We need to worship. We need to be like that 84-year-old grandmother who fiercely maintained her innocence, and she lived alone in an old family home. Her four children lived in the same town, but she rarely called them except in emergencies. It was with some apprehension, therefore, that one of her sons drove to her house one morning to answer her phone call. When he arrived, she said she suspected that there was a burglar in the bedroom closet. Since she heard noises in there the night before. Why didn't you call me, he said. Well, she replied, it was late and I hated to bother you. So I just nailed the closet shut. And went to bed. <laughs> Folks, let me tell you something. It would be a great day if you would nail the closet door to fear shut and praise the Lord and get your mind on him and stop listening to the voices of fear. All I want to say, folks, the government will put you in your basement the government will put you in your basement totally depending upon them for a check to come and they'll convince you if you don't stay in your basement and depend on a check from them, you're going to starve to death. But before long, the government is controlling your life. listening to the voices of fear. And by the way, let me just make this statement while I'm already in deep weeds. <laughs> I heard a preacher say it, and it's so true. Let me tell you something. If you're staying home from church because of your health, stay home. If you're staying home from church because of your health, stay home. But if you're staying home from church because of habit, get your PJs off and get back in the house of God. 
This is God's house. He deserves our worship. He deserves our praise. He deserves honor. He deserves glory. God's going to take care of you. He always has. He always will. Let me say something, folks, and, and 50 people in this service last week joined the church, 50 people, and they said, why did, why did they join the church? They said, because the preacher's not afraid. I want to go on record today. I'm not afraid. God hadn't given me the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. How do we, all right, listen, I've got to quit. How do we overcome Christmas fear? Number three, share Christmas with others. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about sharing Christmas with others? Well, I'm talking about Luke 2.15. Old shepherds said, we're going to go to Bethlehem. But they said, not only are we going to go to Bethlehem, let us go. So they took others with them. All I want to say Share Christmas with others this year. Share Christmas with others. Let me explain, and I'm, I'm almost done. Did you ever think about this? Did you ever think about this? Those wise men, they brought gifts of gold. And they brought gifts of frankincense, and they brought gifts of myrrh. Now, do you really believe that this peasant family expected gold and frankincense and myrrh. No earthly way. They were poor. They were poor. Gold and frankincense and myrrh. It was an unexpected gift. Let me explain something. Here's what we do at Christmas. I get a gift and I give Bob a gift and I'm thinking, I hope I spend as much on Bob as Bob spent on me. All this giving we're doing, let me tell you what it is. It's a gift for a gift, gift, gift. That's all it is. It's a gift for a gift, gift, gift. I give you a gift, you give me a gift. We come and sit in the, it's a gift for a gift, gift, gift. And nobody's giving, by the way. That's not giving. What they do. They gave an unexpected gift. Why don't you give an unexpected gift this Christmas? Why don't you take somebody to Bethlehem that's not expecting it? Johnny gets 43 gifts. My goodness, if three's enough for Jesus, it's, it's enough for Johnny. Just a thought. Half of you are already mad at me anyway. <laughs> Share Christmas with others this year. Take somebody to Bethlehem with you. You say, Pastor, look, I've got fear. I've got fear, and I really want to overcome it. Write these two words. These two words right here will take care of your fear. I promise you, if you'll, if you'll practice what, I, what, what the preacher's saying, give you two words and you won't be fearful. First, gratitude. Gratitude. Start doing what I've been doing. Before I go to bed at night, 
I just reach over and grab this journal and I write down three things that I'm grateful for. You say, well, you're talking about your salvation. No, no, no. I'm talking about just three things that, that day. The other day I was writing, I wrote, the barbecue at Southern Pit. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I mean, my, my philosophy, if you fry it, I'll try it. But anyway, look here. Just, just three little things. And I've learned if I write down those things, just put it in my journal, I rest better that night. Gratitude. Number two, generosity. Generosity. Generous people are happy people. Generous people are happy people. Givers always have more than enough. Takers never have enough. Generous people are happy people. You want to be happy, be a giver. You want to be a miser? What's That's the root word of miserable. You want to be miserable? Just be a miser. Givers always have more than enough. Takers never have enough. I wish I could sing. When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Jesus. I'm going to say, Jesus, why didn't you give me a beautiful voice to sing? I think I will. But you know what I may do? I may ask him why he didn't give some of those people I pastored a beautiful voice. if I could sing this is how I'd end the service today I'd sing oh little town of Bethlehem I really would and I'd sing this line thy hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight even 2020 the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Friend, I trust the message today has spoken to your heart. And if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, I want to challenge you to do that today. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And I've often said it's as simple as ABC. A stands for acknowledge. You've got to acknowledge that you're a sinner. B stands for believe. You've got to believe that Christ and His blood was shed on the cross for your sin. And then C, you simply must confess your sins to Him. I want to encourage you right now to repeat a simple prayer with me. I'll pray the prayer. You repeat it with me if you'd like to accept Christ as your personal Savior. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. But God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm so sorry I want to change. I believe that you died for my sin, and I confess my sin to you right now. Come into my heart, Lord, and forgive me of all my sin. Now, thank you, Lord for forgiving me. Thank you for coming in to my life. Amen. Friend, congratulations. 
on the greatest decision that you'll ever make. And I want you to know, this decision is not based on how you feel right now. Because God's not a feeling. He's a fact. This decision is based on the fact that you have done what God's Word says you must do to have eternal life. So congratulations on the greatest decision you'll ever make. And thank you for being with us today. God bless you, and we'll see you soon.